outside last podcast we're going to the sports and South Spanish entrepreneurs and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Sean. He's the founder and CEO of Autoclose. Thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And I did talk to Sean a little bit beforehand, and he wanted to give everyone that listens or watches to the video a 20% discount on Autoclose. All you have to do is just reach out to them via support uh, or just talk to Sean himself, and he'll be able to grant that for you. So. Uh, again, thank you, Sean, for being on here. And why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, where you grew up and, and kind of like how the whole thing came together. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. I, I hope uh, the audience really gets some good uh, tips and tricks and some value to the podcast today. Um, so originally, um, from the beginning, I actually was a semi-professional tennis player. And what happened was at the age of 18, um, I had to decide to either go tennis pro or go the education route. And my mom didn't actually give me any choice. She goes, there was only one Canadian tennis player ever at that point that's ever made a career to tennis. So she made me uh, go the education route. I did my, uh, my MBA in finance, which uh, I would rec- recommend anyone that wants to become an entrepreneur. It's the backbone of any business. So I did, my, um, I did a finance MBA and then ended up getting out of finance and getting an opportunity in sales. Um, and since then, um, haven't looked back. About uh, four years ago, I launched my first business, which was a data platform called Exchange Leads. And then about uh, now, it's been about 18 months since I launched AutoClose. So, um, and we continue to grow that platform now. That's awesome. So, uh, a bit of a you know, kind of like a weird, I guess, mix there with like tennis and then finance. Yeah. That. So it's very interesting. Uh, most definitely, no one on here knows is I actually played tennis for a long period of time when I was younger. I would really. Say- yeah, when I was, I think maybe like three, probably from like three years old to like 10 years old when I moved to the U.S., I played tennis. And then like it was something that I decided to do that I, I felt like, you know, I wanted to try different sports since I played that for such a long time. Yeah. I came here and I ended up playing hockey, <laughs> which was super. Which is a Canadian sport. <laughs> yeah. um, so I ended up playing hockey for like two years, way too expensive. So I had to stop playing and I loved it. Um, but definitely an interesting sport for sure and very, very fun. Um, but on another note, you know, as far as, you know, like finance and sales and stuff like that, they don't necessarily put you right into tech. So how was it that you kind of made that transition from, you know, selling and and finance into actually building a software product? Great question. So they all kind of correlate to each other. So I'll tell you how, um, I did my MBA in finance, but however, when I was doing my finance degree, I was coaching tennis. And when you coach any sport, you have to be very social. Um, You're usually reaching out and talking to people twice your age, and you really have to do a lot of networking. So when I went into finance, I was a little bit too social to be just kind of sitting beside a computer and, you know, not talking to anybody and not saying good morning to people. Um, And what happened was I actually went in for a finance job. And the recruiter said to me, goes, we only ask for finance people, but I have somebody looking for a VP of sales for a software company. And I think your personality would be great, even though you probably don't have the sales experience on your resume. I think your tennis background, et cetera, makes you very competitive and would make you a good candidate. And I went in for the interview for the VP of sales job for a software and hardware company, um, got the role. And then within the first two weeks of my, my role there, I uh, ended up meeting my CTO, who's, I guess, the brains behind the tech side of the business. Um, and I'm more of the sales marketing side of the business. Very interesting. Now, and, and I guess we can get a little bit more into the actual, you know, or I, I, I would like a little bit more background on, on essentially like, you know, where the idea came from. Okay. So that was a great question. I can tell you exactly because I remember it. I was actually at lunchtime 
during my nine to five job and I was walking in the hallways in downtown Toronto and I was saying, I just got a list for my sales team and they're calling the people, the numbers are inaccurate, the emails are invalid. I'm like, and we're buying this list, I'm not gonna mention the name, but they were a, a multi-million dollar, billion dollar company now. I'm like, if they can't keep the list clean, um, why not? Um, why not try and do, do a, a database list or a data company that actually provided more quality over quantity? And that's how I came up with my first company, which was the data company, which then was parlayed into AutoClose um, by letting our clients tell us, hey, Sean, we love your data. We love your data company, but we don't know where to email the people from. So what we did was we ended up parlaying exchange leads into AutoClose, and that's how I got started into AutoClose. Very cool. That's really awesome. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues that most companies have nowadays, right? Because it's all data driven and, and you're trying to find people to reach out to and you don't necessarily do like, like I would say most, or I guess I don't, I don't have the data to, to back that up, but I would personally think that most people are not doing like, you know, sales call after sales call after sales call, which I'm, I might be wrong. Um, and you know, I think that it's definitely a, you know, it's important to be sure that you're spending the money in the right places. Like you said, like you're spending money on a company that's multi-million dollar. I think you mentioned where you got this list and you're not even able to do anything with it because they didn't, again, they didn't keep it clean. So again, having the ability to do that on your end is definitely beneficial. Um, when it comes to actually bringing the product into market, what was essentially the strategy to do so? That's a great question. Um, and I will talk about, before we even get into that, I want to talk about kind of your list. And I think too many people focus on, you know, hiring salespeople and just got buying a list. But if you think about it, the amount of money you're spending on a salesperson, you might be wasting thousands of dollars on bad lists. Because if you provide a salesperson, you're paying them say 50 K a year, and then you buy a list, but none of those phone numbers are accurate. None of those emails are accurate. Not only have you wasted so much money on data, but you've also wasted so much money on a salesperson because you're not giving them the tools to succeed. So um, on the data side, I would make sure that you do have a high quality data. There's a lot of data providers out there, but make sure you focus on, on buying high quality data. Now about the launch, um, that's, this is exciting. I'm gonna share this story with you guys. Um, one thing I did with AutoClose was I planned and actually in my head almost launched my product six months before the product was even built. Therefore, I met with our developers in New York, flew out there, and we came up with the idea. Right away the next day, I built a landing page. And what I did with that landing page was just to collect emails. Now you might be asking, well, why are you collecting emails six months? You haven't even built the product. And the reason why is I actually had everyone on that email list build the product for me. Therefore, what I would do is I would be emailing them constantly every few weeks saying, hey, A, B, or C, what would you like as a feature? A, B, or C. And as we continued to build it, I asked our clients and I showed them what we've built. So that when we actually went to our launch date on six months after that, the, the, our clients almost felt like they built the product themselves. And that was kind of why we had such a, a successful launch. That's awesome. Where did you get the contacts to, or I guess not the contacts, but the traffic to, to get to this landing page, right? Because you create the landing page, but where do you get the people to actually get to that? Landing page? Another great question. So I'm not going to lie because I am a, um, I've, I founded a company first, the data company. I already had a client list. Okay. So now I can just go to my client list, put them through like a MailChimp or something and say, Hey, this is what we're building. So I did have that to start. However, one of the biggest things that I've done over the last 
few years is built my own personal brand. And that is on LinkedIn by doing videos, um, a lot of content, etc. So I would, I would say the two tricks were building my personal brand using LinkedIn. And second, obviously, I did have that client list from my original company, which started to generate the traffic. Awesome. And you actually touched on something that I wanted to actually get into, which was the personal brand aspect. Um, obviously, before the call, I went and looked at your LinkedIn and I noticed that you, had, I, I forgot exactly what it was, uh, but I think it was uh, top sales influencer, top, I forgot the number exactly. Yeah. How do you leverage that, um, you know, more specifically in order to get more people to use AutoClose? It's, it's a great question. I find nowadays there's so many people doing videos, doing posts, but it's all about selling them pro their product. Mm -hmm. The key to building your personal brand is by providing value. Don't sell yourself. Don't sell your product. So, you know, what I do is I like to give tips and tricks. So for example, subject line tips and, um, you know, email tips, um, but different tips on days of the week. So I actually try not to, I try to sell my product 20% of the time on LinkedIn and the other 80%, I'm just providing value after value after value. And once the community finds you as a value driven um, person on LinkedIn, they continue to follow you. They continue to engage with you. So um, engagement is key. So, you know, don't just like and comment saying great article, like read the article and actually provide some content in that or a comment that would be a value. You continue it over time. It's not going to happen overnight, but I will tell you, it will definitely help your brand um, and help you succeed in the long run. And I think it also makes it more personable, you know, like software companies and, and especially in the place that I guess the entire, you know, population is nowadays is they feel like, they're almost losing touch with the human aspect of, you know, interacting with, with even like salespeople or whatever it may be. And then, you know, for example, you're on LinkedIn and you're getting bombarded by all these in-mails and messages of like, all oh, we have like the same connections and, and all. Oh, yeah. and I think that, that, you know, like value is definitely important. Um, and, and, and I think it helps create a relationship, obviously not just, not just with you, but with the company, because they know what you stand for and, and the kind of, you know, person that you are essentially. Yeah. And I, I would, I would say, I call it cells, C E L S. And I think on LinkedIn, um, you need to do a lot of different social touches. So for example, all of my clients, I add on LinkedIn, um, all of my prospects I add on LinkedIn. And what, the reason why is what I call cells is, you know, comment, endorse, like, and share. You have four options inside LinkedIn that you can actually click one button and become on a prospect's newsfeed without even cold calling them or emailing them. So I like to always use that in my selling, um, in my selling, but you know, as I said, you know, becoming friends and providing value is the most important. I like how you put that too. Um, I guess it, it, you could call it selling C E L I S or I N G. Um, you could do that. Yeah, exactly. But, um, what is one of the things that you're currently trying to accomplish without a close? So what we're really trying to accomplish with AutoClose is uh, as we continue to grow, it's, it's continue to build on the personal brand and the company brand itself. Um, one thing we just got access to was, for example, um, LinkedIn Live. And we're going to use that tool to provide a lot of value. We're, gonna, we're actually having a meeting on Friday. Um, and then starting next week, we're going to start doing a lot of different LinkedIn Lives. And nothing will be about AutoClose or selling. We're going to try and bring clients on board, talk about challenges, talk about pain points, et cetera. Um, but continue to build our brand because we find nowadays there's so much competition. There's so many CRMs. There's so many auto closes. There's so many, so, you know, so there's so many digital agencies, but to stand out, you have to be the trusted source. Mm -hmm. You have to also provide 
your prospects with value. So what we're going to continue to do is um, provide value, provide content to our clients, and hopefully that's how we convert them into um, to happy clients. Now, for anyone that's not that's listening, but it's not necessarily, and obviously, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning, you're very outgoing. You like to meet people and talk to them. Yep. How does one individual that is, say, you know, more introverted than the typical outgoing person, how do they approach, you know, like putting themselves out there, providing value to obviously like a bigger number of people when, like, even though they know that they're behind a screen and, and whatever it may be, I feel like they still feel the same way about, you know, putting themselves out there, like letting all these, like having all the attention on them essentially when, you know, when they throw the video or whatever it is that they're doing, how do you, how do you, I guess, what should they do about this? Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. I will tell you, I was that person. I was never an introvert. I've always been an extrovert. I've always been very outgoing, but I was never a keynote speaker and I was never a person that loved video. And you know what? You start doing it. You start doing some speaking. You start off small. You know, do a 20-second video. Then move it to 30 seconds. Then move it to a minute. But get out of your comfort zone. I, as I said, I never did videos before. Now I do about three, four a week. I never did keynote speaking. Even when I did like, you know, back in high school and university where you had to do like in front of your, your class, you had to read off those little Q-tips or uh, cue cards. Um, you know, you just got to get up and do it. And you'll get more comfortable. It takes time. Um, but at the end of the day, um, even if you, you know, you could do a video and record it. You don't like it, re-record it, re-record it, re-record it. So you don't have to put it out until you're happy with, um, with the way the video turned out. Totally. Very cool. And now when, you know, talking a little bit more about like, and I, I think you actually touched on this very well earlier, when it comes down to how you essentially develop the new features for autoclose. Yeah. At this point in time, is that pretty much being made by the users themselves also? Do you send out surveys or how are you doing that? It's a great question. We are actually doing this. We are doing that. So when I, one of the lessons I learned in my first business was I was building features that I wanted and that my development team thought we needed. Mm -hmm. but, but, but then we'd be spending thousands of dollars on features and, and months on development, but nobody would ever use the, the, the feature. So what we did actually recently, for example, here we're doing a, a new dashboard. And the dashboard is going to have, you know, the time of the day people open their emails, the day of the week, your prospects are opening their emails. Who are the most active? What are they clicking? And we actually sent that out to 10,000 people and said, here's 10 choices, choose one, two, and three. And then we actually went and we prepared and did feature by feature by the number of people that wanted the, that one feature, two feature, three feature. And that's how we build all our features now. So we just launched, for example, tagging today. And it was only because over the last few weeks, clients have been saying, we need tagging. We need tagging. If you need it, we build it. Cool. How do you ensure that people are actually going to complete the surveys? Because I know typically when I get a survey online or whatever, is I just exit out of it or try to get rid of it for as long as I can. Like I try to put it away. And then when I feel like maybe there's some time to do it, maybe I'll do it. And that's if, you know, I guess I, I like the company more than other companies. Yeah. So how do you do that? That's a great question. Now, with, our, with ours is we're actually sending the survey to our clients. So our clients already have invested capital in our product. So they're going to let us know usually what features they want because they're paying for it, right? If you're paying thousands of dollars for something, you know, you're going to say, I want this over this. So we did get a lot of, you know, out of 10,000, 5,000, or we sent about 5,000. I mean, we might have got a few hundred. 
but that's enough to kind of build the features. Um, but what you can do, I know, I know you, some people give like, you know, Starbucks gift cards or an Amazon card for filling out a survey, but it all depends on what you're doing. We sometimes do that for reviews from our clients, positive or negative, but leave a review. Um, but for the survey, when it's clients, when they have invested interest, they're usually uh, good about um, filling out the survey. Definitely. Now, as far as the most challenging thing, uh, you know, on a business level, what has that been as far as building out the product and managing it as a CEO? So I would say two things. One thing is um, when we first started, I like to do everything and or be involved in everything. I like to, you know, jump into support as a fake name, go into operations calls, marketing calls, sales call. And as we continued to grow and grow, I felt that I was getting more stressed out by trying to be involved in too many things. So um, we started to hire people and I had to, you know, not necessarily pull myself self away, but make sure I hired a good team with a good culture that can make those decisions. Um, so that was one way um, that, that it was a challenge early on was we were a small team, three people, and now we're growing up to about 40 people. And as we continue to grow, it, that was one challenge. The second challenge, and it's still today, is finding good salespeople. And here's the reason. Um, salespeople are competitive and they always want more money. So you hire a salesperson and even though they might be making good money, they're always looking for the next best opportunity to make even more money. So you might spend three months training a salesperson and then three months later they might leave because a person across the street gave them $5,000 more, $10,000 more. So one of the challenges was finding good salespeople and I'm very specific with what I look for in salespeople. Um, so uh, that's been a challenge as well. What are some of the things that you look in your salespeople? Great question. So one, um, actually there's two things I look on their resume and most people are going to ask me why. One, I actually look for people that worked at the banks. Okay. And there's a reason. <laughs> you can ask me why, right? Right. Because banks train salespeople. So when you hire somebody that's worked at a bank, they've already went through a training program and you don't have to pay for it. They've already been through a cold calling training, email training, and banks really invest in training. So you're going to get somebody that's already been trained as a salesperson. Would that be negative though? When, when, you know, when you're looking at it as a culture fit, I guess, how do you, then I guess that's part of the whole interview process, right? Like making sure that the person actually fits your culture. Um, but do you find that, you know, like sometimes you like to hire early on to not have to deal with having to change something that you don't like, essentially? I guess, how do you deal with that? Well, because I find somebody, A, that's been trained, A, is trained, and B, is trainable. Mm -hmm. So you can train them. Now, this is going to go into my second one, is someone that's competitive and has played sports. Yeah. Because I find somebody that's, somebody that's played sports either, you know, loves to win or hates to lose. Um, and I just hired a customer success manager and she's a female and she actually played, um, university basketball. And I love that because she's played a competitive sport. So those are the two things I look at, um, competitive cause I'm very competitive. I like, you know, I'm a gambler, I'm a competitive, I played sports. Um, and then somebody that's tried to work at a bank and the bank's tough to find, but the, the competitive one is definitely the most important. Interesting. That's super awesome. Now, as far as on a, I guess on a personal level when you know you're building a company you're obviously like away from home maybe i don't i don't know if that's the case like you go to the office and work for long long hours um but what's one of the things that you kind of wished was different as, as far as you know personally 
That's Personally, it. you want to know the honest truth? I wish I could find someone to clone me and run my sa- and do sales because um, my product, I, you know, I, I do believe I'm the best salesperson on my product. And I can sell to anybody. I can close anyone. But obviously, I can't be sitting doing SDR and closing deals as a, as a CEO of a company. There's so much more I have to do. So I would say um, that's one thing. Um, and also um, hiring more people early on, but hiring the right people. We went through a little bit of transition with my first company where I was, I was hiring people because their resume looked great. And it'd be like one person, you know, he was on you know, Dragon's Den here, which is like Shark Tank in the US. He, he got a deal with there. And I was like, okay, this guy's got to be good. But you know what? You've got to sit down and find out the best people at the beginning um, because that's the culture you want to build. And the culture begins in day one. It's tough to build the culture after you've already started for a year and a half and you have, you know, some people that, you know, love to come late to the office when I'm always early, you know, a first one in last one out. Um, so finding good people, um, is definitely a challenge. Okay. Now, as far as marketing goes, like what are some of the things that Autoclose is currently implementing, you know, to, to get more people on board? Great question. Um, we've tripled down on content. So every Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have a brand new blog that's published that provides value to the community. Um, now that's really helped with generating website traffic. One of the best things we've done to generate leads was actually build a, a, an ebook. It was called the B2B sales handbook. So if you actually go on our website, you can, you can download a free copy, hundred pages of content, but that B2B sales handbook has, has generated well over a thousand leads for us. Um, and we're double, we're, you know, we double, so we double down on content and that we also have somebody on our team that's writing Quora answers all day, um, different stuff like that. But I would say the, the ebook is definitely, um, the real game changer. We actually just started doing Facebook ads and some ads. We've never done ads before. I've never paid any advertising money. We just started that retargeting a few weeks ago. That's awesome. How are you distributing content? Is it just throwing it up, you know, organically? Are you paying aside from Facebook? Is there any other channels? Um, or anything where you're, I guess, pushing it out, not necessarily paid content? Um, our, you know, my marketing team, I, I think we're pushing it out to just our, we're putting on our website, we're posting on LinkedIn, we're posting on the show soul channels, I think Growth Hackers and some other ones, um, but I'm not actually 100% sure. Um, I know my marketing team, um, they're building like a whole calendar and everything around it, but uh, we definitely, um, and people notice, we definitely publish a lot, a lot of content, um, which is also, we've, we've uh, I think, we went about 10x in our, our LinkedIn group, is about LinkedIn page, sorry, has 10x followers as we started doing this triple on the, on the, on the blogs. That's cool. Did the, did the, you know, tripling down on the blog, on the content, did that come after you saw what was happening when you were putting yourself out there? Yeah, that, you know, definitely. Um, and one funny thing, I will say this on here, I uh, shouldn't tell people, but a lot of the content we also found with better engagement, if you are a CEO, um, obviously I'm not sitting there writing these blogs, but if you put yourself as the CEO and as published by the CEO, the engagement went up about 20%. Wow. So that rather than having your content writer put their name as it published, have your founder CEO published. It's just a little secret. I'm not writing them all. I'm writing some but not all. So when you see my name, it might not be written by me, but uh, it does get a lot more engagement. That's a tip for you uh, founders out there. That's awesome. Very cool. Now, what is you know, for Autoclose the biggest accomplishment so far? 
for auto close, our biggest accomplishment, I would say um, a few things. We, uh, we broke even um, in 90 days. So all the money we invested broke even 90 days. We've been profitable ever since. That's one. And the second thing is we landed two Fortune 100 companies in our first six months. And as you know, when you're going up against the outreaches and the sales lofts and these big guys with you know, unicorn status, um, that's definitely an accomplishment for uh, you know, three people that started out in Toronto and building, building with a dream um, and building a platform. That's amazing. Very cool. If you had one piece of advice, like just if you only knew one thing about growing a business, what would that be? Nothing happens overnight and have patience. When I did my first start, my first startup, my developer would tell me this feature would take three weeks and it would take three months. So as a founder, have patience. It takes time to develop, even though you might know the sales and marketing to build you know, hundreds of thousands of code lines takes time. Um, so make sure you don't put pressure on your development like I did because it does take uh, time and nothing happened. Nothing good happens overnight. Very cool. And, uh, I think we'll, we'll start to get into the wrapping up questions, but what are some of your, or actually, what is your number one, you know, SaaS company that you look up to? That's a great question. Lately, um, I've really enjoyed using intercom and Slack. Um, and intercom because it's really helped with the engagement of our website visitors and I get to see all the support questions. So it helps me as a founder find out what's wrong with our product. What can we improve? And Slack is great because we have an office in Toronto, but I have a huge team out in Serbia. Um, and it's great for me to literally be on a message and see marketing content upvoting and the different categories within our business and monitor everything from one app. So I would say those two have been um, big influences in, in the success of Autoclose. Is that, that, I guess, is that like, are you currently like studying those companies to see what it is that they're doing to get to the level that they're at? Or you just kind of like, you, you like them because you use them on a daily basis? Well, we, we, always, we always study our competitors. We study, you know, successful success stories. Um, you know, more on the marketing side and, and we like to see, you know, what are they doing to generate that traffic? How, are they spending it on ads? Are they spending it organically? You know, our, you know, our conference is a good return on your investment. So we're looking at all those different things. Um, but I just like the way Intercom and Slack are kind of, um, you know, you know, Slack and Intercom both went into a market that was, well, Slack wasn't, it wasn't a new market. They came in and just, you know, stole market share and Intercom's coming in, you know, stealing market share. So um, kudos to, to both companies. They've done a really good job. They've done amazing, amazing things. Um, one, one thing that I just remembered that I wanted to mention and I got sidetracked for all that content that you're putting together, uh, especially the ebook and that might it's probably something that you might already be doing, but I generally tell uh, people to, you know, if you have a ton of content, you can literally break that out into a lot of different pieces that are just smaller and just reuse that content. Uh, and, and just distribute wherever you can too. Yeah, so we recently started doing that. Actually, it's on our Trello board um, because my old company, we had about 70 sales blogs and they've been stale. So what we're going to do is kind of change the wording, change the titles and re 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 redistribute it. Um, but yeah, that's a great, it's a great tip. It keeps it fresh, makes it super easy to come up with ideas. You already have like, like every heading or every section could be its own, you know, uh, content piece, which is awesome. Yep. Sean, do you have a favorite book? Um, you know, the 40 hour work week is a great book. Um, but I also read, uh, impossible to inevitable by, uh, Aaron Ross as well. So there's a few of them that, uh, 
I thought we're good. Very cool. And uh, where can people find you online? Oh, well, LinkedIn for sure. So you can uh, follow me on LinkedIn or um, follow our page on LinkedIn. You can email me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N at autoclose.com. And that's autoclose with a K. Um, reach out to me by email, LinkedIn, those two platforms uh, I'm always on. And uh, last but not least, do you have any questions for me? Um, it's a good question. The question's for you. Um, tell me what, you're, what, what, what is your number one way of getting clients right now? Very non-scalable. And I mean that in, you know, like literally getting in front of people and sending them a very personal video explaining what they could be doing wrong or what they could be doing right and just giving them the exact steps on how to execute on that. Perfect. And uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on here, Sean. It was a pleasure having you. I think people will definitely get a lot of information out of this. And uh, again, great interview. And uh, for anyone that's listening, please make sure to subscribe, watch it, share with your friends. Uh, if you're not part of the Facebook group yet, make sure to join SAS AdLab. And uh, Sean, any last words? No, that was great. I hope everyone got some value out of the, uh, the podcast today. Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys very much and see you on the next one.